Hello pod people, this is the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people. I'm your host, Donna Scott, a woman who is variously a stand-up comedian, hotshot editor to the stars and wearer of fuchsia pink cardigans in the movies. And each week I'll be bringing you gorgeous tales to inspire those of us who feel we're just about muddling through but would like to do better. (laughs) That's me. Whether that's at writing stuff, solving Sudokus, I'm really good at them, tying your shoelaces properly, I'm not so good at that, or just trying to be a good human. Sometimes that will involve me just wittering on and reading out things that you've sent me, but sometimes I'll actually be speaking to people I think are doing something a bit cool or lovely. And they could be other comedians or writers or artists or community heroes or brain boxes or polymaths or just people who I think look good in hats. Yeah, I'm always jealous of people who look really good in hats. And you may ask, where will you find these rare specimens, Donna? But that's the point of me doing this podcast. I know loads of brilliant people already. And maybe by doing this, I'll get to know even more. So, yeah, well, let's, does that sound Boston or what? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get started now on the proper podcast actual. I've actually been thinking about doing this podcast for about a year now. I first got the idea when I was last majorly incapacitated, by which I mean injured with a broken ankle, not just drunk, though I could well mean both. Well, I was drunk a little bit when I broke my ankle, but I do more or less blame Google Maps. Never trust Google Maps, especially if you've been drinking wine and if you've got a dodgy black country accent that comes out when you've been drinking said wine and then Google Assistant mishears you basically and guesses where you want to go because that's what happened. Um, It was during Leicester Comedy Festival back in 2018 and I had left Nigel Lovell and Will Seward's show and um, was trying to find Lucy Thompson's because that was going to be her last gig ever, apparently. Um, she's had a few more since. Well, you know, and I thought, you've got to support a fellow female comedian at her last show, haven't you? Um, and her show was at this pub called Brood with three O's, like Gavin and Stacey, O-O-O. And Google Maps led us away from the bright bars and crowded streets of Leicester that you're all familiar with, basically to the burly flyover with its fast-flowing traffic and to the base of a massively high footbridge. And did I say it was getting dark? It was getting dark. And Google Maps said cross, so I did, across myself. It's ridiculous. I, I, I never used to be scared of heights, but I'm petrified of them now. I'm older. Um, I'm only five foot two, and short as I am, the maximum distance my eye level likes to be from the ground is actually below eye level. I'd crawl everywhere if I could. They could do poor mags for short women. I do not care. The top shelf is not for me. And I don't know why it is, but when I hit 40, my brain just decided it would start having panic attacks at the thought of some high things. But not really high things, like zip wires across quarry pits, because I've done them, you know, Adrenaline Valley. And it says, oh, you do Adrenaline Valley. You go ahead, love. You knock yourself out. In fact, you won't knock yourself out, because it's perfectly safe. Now, instead, I'm going to make you panic at actually perfectly perfectly safe things like not very steep single floor stairwells anyway i know my brain does keep doing this so i defiantly ignored the panic it was sending me at this footbridge and i said shut up brain you idiot and i decided to climb up to the footbridge and it was getting dark and the traffic underneath was very fast and i made the mistake didn't i, I looked didn't i 
And do you think I could prize my hands off the railing after that? My knuckles were whiter than an episode of Midsummer Murders, I tell you. And my husband was with me, and so then he had to watch me trying to scale across the railings like I was on set of Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. You know, the one in Dubai, where Tom Cruise has to climb the glass exterior of the tallest building in the world ever, using magnetic gloves that don't work very well. And when my husband said, what the heck are you doing? That was when both my gloves went red and I fell smack a whole 20 centimetres onto the path. And oh my life, the pain. And see, I was right, yelled my brain. That was only a height of 20 centimetres and you did fall and it hurt very much indeed. So who's the idiot now, eh? Yeah, who's the idiot? Well, we didn't actually realise I'd broken my ankle at that point. We just thought I'd sprained it. Well, my husband said I'd sprained it. But, you know, I was all right. So I hobbled down that bridge and it was down into the dark back streets of wherever it was in Leicester that we got to. I don't know where we was, but we were surrounded by abandoned factory buildings and there were about four strange guys sort of moving towards us, looking kind of ominous. And then they saw us and then they just seemed to shuffle off again. And then we saw this light and Google Maps said we'd arrived at a destination. Uh, So we, we ventured forward and my husband says, hello, is there comedy on here? And the, this bloke who was there, he said, nah, mate, this is a this is a, a skate park. <laughs> it was, it was a skate park called Broom, B-R-O-O-M, not Brood. Thanks, Google Maps. And I just thought, ah, oh, of all the places to not break my ankle, eh? <laughs> it's not a skate park. So we were in completely the wrong place. And my husband says, oh, well. Do you know any taxi companies we can call? Because we needed to get to, the, to Lucy's gig. And the skate park attendant says, oh, taxis won't come here, mate. This is a really dodgy part of town. <laughs> and we thought, oh, blimey uh, But bless, he saw that I was in a bit of a state. And he said he'd run and get us a taxi if we looked after the skate park for him for five minutes. So we did that. And at that point, we reflected that maybe the four guys we'd seen outside may have actually been intending to rob us. But they changed their mind when they saw me hobbling. And thought, oh no, we're too late. They've already been done. So anyway, we saw Lucy's show. And even though I did faint in pain in the middle of it. (laughs) And had a few more glasses of Malbec. I can swear to you it was extremely very good. And then I found out, of course, the next day that it was broken. Mainly because it was twice the size it should be. Um, And I got it sorted at the hospital. And uh, I didn't cancel every gig that I got going then. But there were quite a few I knew I couldn't get to because um, either, you know, I wouldn't be able to get them on my crutches or on a, or my funky knee scooter that I hired from this um, mobility shop near the train station in Northampton. It's really ace. So I was zooming everywhere on it. But um, there were some places if I thought there's cobbles there, I'm not going. So um, I did. I had a lot of time basically sitting down and, you know, that was lovely. I managed to get enough sleep for once and um, I discovered the Ace Daytime TV that is Shakespeare and Hathaway. And I got a fair bit of writing done as well, which is good. And on one very icy day after it had snowed rather a lot, I not only managed to get to take part in um, Sunday politics on the telly, after after it had finished, um, I then went and I ran a comedy work, workshop, a comedy writing workshop uh, with um, the Arts Lab at, at the lab in Northampton. And it was there that I met the very lovely Phoebe Prentice Terry, who had ambitions of trying stand-up at the time, which she has since very much realised. Um, but we clicked straight away, and I just blurted out, 
do you want to do a podcast with me? And she said, yes. Which, you know, we should have really got on it straight away. But honestly, the year that followed has seen us bump into each other a couple of times. But we've both been so, so busy. Um, and Phoebe's moved to the big smoke now in the London and she's been in films and everything. And, the, and I'm ashamed to say I've, I've let the idea slide a bit. Uh, mainly I let it slide because I also was getting too busy again and too darn successful if I'm allowed to blow my own trumpet, which is admittedly tricky when you don't have a trumpet. And I'm more likely to buy an electronic drum kit, which I'm very much hoping not to blow. Okay, if I may hit my own drum kit then, drum kit pending. Anyway, Anyway, I was getting back into comedy a bit more properly than when I first jumped back in after my big break from it a few years ago. And I was starting to see my efforts pay off. I was getting a few paid spots and occasionally a few paid headliners as well, which was nice. And I joined So Funny Comedy as a permanent cast member for the extraordinary time-travelling adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is an improvised storytelling show for young children and um, families. Um, We say people aged from about 7 to 100 put on the flyers. So, yeah, who knew I'd turn out to be pretty good at comedy for kids, eh? If you ever do get to see me in a show, and I hope you do, I'm generally a very cheeky pirate called Captain Bilgewater Bond. I like to play tricks on my fellow travelling companions, and I'm always getting into scrapes. Uh, Usually requires some fast thinking and a bit of luck to get out of. I'm very lucky the kids who come and see the show are usually full of fun ideas, and are often magicians who can sort of pull a deus ex machina sort of plot twist from the thin air, using nothing but a mullet wig and a a pack of cards and some juggling balls, which aren't really used in the story as those things, but as maybe some sheep, slivers of ham and some cheese. It really is tremendous fun, and it's great for bringing out everyone's imaginative side. And the kids love getting involved almost as much as their parents do, which is lovely. And just to clarify, it wasn't just my adventures with the Baron that were going well for me. I announced at the very start of 2019 that 2019 could carry on the way it had started because I just sold three short science fiction stories. And I actually said that on social media as well. Yeah, 2019 can carry on like this. How pleased I must have been with that because (laughs) it completely made me forget that things weren't that brilliant at the time either. No, because a couple of days before New Year's Eve, my husband had come off his bike uh, and he'd completely smashed his wrist and he'd popped three ribs as well out of his sternum. Poor bugger. So he spent New Year's Eve in hospital with half a Meccano set sticking out of his arm, holding his chalk dust of a wrist together. And he was surrounded on all sides by blokes having amputations as well mainly due to complications of diabetes, which made him a bit nervous, to be honest. So, not a great start to the year. And I remarked to him that as we had both managed to break bones in 2018, we should probably make a New Year's resolution not to break any more in 2019. Do you know how long that resolution lasted with me? Two hours. Two flipping hours. I bet you're thinking, ooh, Hubby in hospital, I bet she went out and she got absolutely trolled and then she fell over or something daft. Or maybe had a panic attack on a, on a footbridge or something. No, not even that. It was even more stupid. It's just that two in the morning, my little old lady bladder woke me up. And whilst I was on the way to the loo, I walked into the doorframe of my bedroom and I broke my little toe. How stupid is that? Thing is, I actually saw stars. No, the cartoons... They're true. Um, and they're all sorts of colours as well. It's like a woo, rainbow. <laughs> um, 
thing is though, when you break your little toe, there's not much you can do except claim walking round in the office in your in your socks as a privilege. So yeah, my husband, I was calling him Scrap Iron Man, he was having to have surgery. So I got no sympathy, did I? Not even the fright from the front of the railway station. No, free free hugs Friday, people. So when I broke my ankle, they were there praying over my space boot, which actually I'd blinged up with Doctor Who stickers. So as they were hovering their hands over me, willing their healing power of prayer into my ankle, I had David Tennant aiming back at them with a sonic screwdriver. <laughs> but no, no sympathy with us with a broken little toe. You can carry on with that. Not that I needed it. And even with an incapacitated husband, life in early 2019 was pretty sweet. Like I was saying, the comedy was going great. I got asked by Alan Moore to edit a science fiction anthology for the Northampton Arts Lab, which was nice. So I not long before that got some some work as well as an extra in Alan Moore and Mitch Jenkins' film The Show, which is coming out in autumn this year. So look out for me in that bright pink cardigan. And I spent the early part of the year working on the third iteration of New Compress's Best of British Science Fiction as well, which is being launched at Worldcon in Dublin this, this very month. Very soon, 17th. And after a series of shows all over the UK, I was also gearing up for a short run at the Edinburgh Fringe as part of the extraordinary time-travelling adventures of Baron Munchausen. And thinking, blooming heck, how am I going to be able to afford to get to Dublin and Edinburgh at the same year? Because these things are pretty expensive. And I have to say, Dublin was the biggie for me. Because not only was I going to have to have my book launch there, but it would be a fantastic opportunity for me as a writer and editor to really get out there and promote myself. Not to mention hanging out with all my awesome friends as well. Because you know, the last convention I'd been to before this was um, EasterCon at the Park Inn at Heathrow earlier this year. And I, I normally don't enjoy the London one so much because they don't tend to really be in London. You're just trapped somewhere near an airport with not much stuff to going on outside of it. So you can't really go for a walk anywhere interesting. There's, there's a few roads. There's some planes landing, that's it. And also, if you're trapped behind a fan table, as I have been for the past few years, there's not much chance to get out and see the places you can't really get to anyway. That is because this year I've completed the level of SF Phantom known as being chair of the BSFA. I'm done with it now. I've finished. And I've handed over the reins to another writer called Alan Stroud. Hello, Alan. And I've moved on to just being a director. Just a director. But as this was my last year as chair, I still spent quite a lot of time behind the desk and running the tombola to raise some funds for the BSFA and taking in new memberships and manning the ballot box for the votes and things like that. Because uh, we do the BSFA awards as well. And I get to go quite a lot of conventions. And this is why most of the pictures you will, you'll find of me on social media have me sporting some kind of lanyard. Oh, and holding a drink of some sort. Either a pint of scrumpy or a large Malbec. Just so you know my tipple. But as conventions usually take place in hotels, there's usually only a short stumble to bed and no need at all to engage Google Maps. So drinking copious amounts of Malbec is usually fine and relatively risk free. But because I know there'll be lots of photos taken and I'm both a little bit lazy and a little bit vain, I usually make some sort of half hearted endeavour before a convention to get in shape. And usually it completely fails to do anything, but it means I can actually start a convention sober and have nicer skin because I've been eating avocados, you know, that kind of thing. Which, of course, I immediately ruin by no longer being sober. 
Anyway, this year, my half-hearted effort involved following suggestions from the excitable cockapoo, Mr. Motivator. That is Joe Wicks. Bless him, with his hair that he refuses to either cut short enough to not flop in his face or grow long enough to put back into a ponytail. But he does do really good short exercise things on his YouTube, and if you've ever seen them. And um, his recipes are great. Not the carrot muffet things, they are flipping vile. But the proper food's gorgeous. Um, oh, he says nom nom and he calls broccoli midget trees. But, you know, please don't hate him for that. Let's face it, we'd all do that if we thought we could get away with it. I've seen you, coveting the pepper Pig lunchbox. Anyway, I was eating better for a month or so before Easter than I normally am. And I was doing this thing called HIT, high intensive interval training. And it involves a lot of abdominal crunches. So as Easter approached, I could feel myself getting leaner and healthier, my muscles getting kind of firmer, my belly getting leaner. And I wasn't schmoozing with publishers at the convention. I was telling people all about the marvels of it because I was flipping totally into the Joe Wicks. And I was determined to carry on with all that after Easter as well. But a few days after returning from the convention, I noticed my belly was feeling really weird, all sort of hard and lumpy. And my husband felt my belly and said, yeah, that's weird, go to the doctor. And so... Of course, I completely ignored him and said I'd just try stopping the ab crunches for a week or so to see if that made it any better, which, of course, it didn't. And then I let another couple of weeks pass because I was sure at that point it's probably in my head. And the thing is with Joe Wicks, you're supposed to take photos of yourself when you start and some photos of yourself halfway through and then some photos of yourself at the end. So I got my before photos done and I did my in the middle photos and after I looked at those and compared them with my before photos, I thought, oh, that looks weird. Because I noticed that, you know, I was wearing a smaller bra. So that, it worked. And my arms and legs looked really hench, but my belly, no, my belly was looking bigger. And I was thinking, oh, maybe it's just a bit of, bit of lady bloat, that. Remember, I ate some yoghurt. Now, eat yoghurt. Mm-hmm, down on. And try next week. But um, it got to early June and I basically just ignored the issue. And I was flipping busy because the BSFA AGM was approaching. And that was my last ever official engagement as chair of BSFA. Because it's not just an AGM as well. No, it's a full day of stuff. The BSFA team up with um, Science Fiction Foundation. And we arrange our AGMs in the middle of a mini convention with guest speakers and and panellists. And this year's was absolutely brilliant even if I do say so myself, because I organised it. So um, the SFF's guest was Dr. Rachel Livermore, and she is always really entertaining. And her talk this time was about how the moon has featured in literary and sci- and literary science fiction and SF films as well, and whether or not it's been portrayed accurately. And there's gazillions of Star Trek references. It's really, really good and funny. She's funny. And then our special guest was Julia E. McKenna, who has recently been nominated for a British Fantasy Award for her fantasy novel, The Green Man's Heir. And of course, she's written loads of fantasy series, so you go check her out, if you haven't already done so. And we've got one of my favourite YA, YA SF authors, Sophia McDougall, to go and interview her as well, which is also brilliant. And then Juliet joined me and Andrew Wallace. Oh, oh, Andrew Wallace is lovely, and he's bonkers. He's bonkers lovely. Um... If you, if you ever re- meet him, you'll find that out. If you read his book, Celebrity Werewolf, that's bonkers lovely as well. Um, and another visionary SF writer, Steve 
Stephen Oram, not to be confused with Steve Oram, the comedian and actor, although people sometimes do. And there was loads going on. It was all brilliant and it's ever so exhausting. And so this is very unlike me, but at the end of the day, I actually turned down an invitation to go to the pub around the corner in Kensington because A, I was shattered and B, the cider I'd had at lunchtime was £5.20 over a fiver for cider. Not even the good apples. So stuff that. I totally intended to do a Diane Abbott and get a can from M&S on the train journey back home to Northampton anyway. But I got on the tube and as I was leaning against the pole, I noticed there's this woman, she was beckoning to me and I, I caught her eye and she actually stood up and gestured at her seat. And it was at that point I realised that I was wearing a red pin badge with a little picture of a wolf on it for Andrew Wallace's novel, Celebrity Werewolf. And because it was kind of partially obscured, she could have easily have mistaken it for one of those those best those badges that you get when you're pregnant on the tube. And she was basically she thought I was pregnant and she was offering me her seat. Oh God! And no, I didn't bloody sit down. I did what most people do in that situation, and they share the shame over their body shape with the well-intentioned do-gooder who now has to bear the shame of assuming a fat chick was pregnant, thus merely pointing out her fatness. So this is where my life went all a bit crazy. Because I made an appointment um, with the doctor after that. And I said, oh, I had some some mysterious bloating. And the doctor made me a very, very quick appointment, which is quite surprising. And um, you know, this day and age. And, I, and I, I got in to see her. And she laid me down. She And she tapped me very much like you would the underside of a loaf to see if it was done. And that is when I thought, oh, bloody hell, does sound different. Um, you know, she tapped me on, on one side of my belly to show, like, this sounds kind of fleshy. This sounds like bread. Um, so basically she, she said, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to skip uh, the MRI, send you straight to a CT scan, because this is not normal. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. This is, this is what my life has been like the past the past uh, couple of months or so. I've been in and out of the hospital having scans and shizzle. I have my CT scan. The CT scan is interesting because they give you tracer. They offer you three flavours of tracer. You can have blackcurrant, orange or lemon. Mmm, lemon. I remarked to my husband, I said, who chooses lemon? And we were, we were pretty sure who chooses lemon. Psychopaths must choose lemon. Only for the next two people to choose lemon when they went in for their for their CT scan. My goodness, who are these people? Who who actually actively likes lemon squash as a as a as a flavour of drink? Simon Quinn likes a lot of them. So yeah, the CT scan revealed that I have got um, a large mass. Roughly the size of a 20-week baby in my belly. Um, and so um, I decided to call it Eric. So I've got Eric um, um, in my belly. It's quite scary. <laughs> but look on the bright side. I thought this is an apt time to start a podcast, isn't it? Because... <laughs> You know, like, I'm um, the whole with Beyonce, kind of like, if life gives you lemon, make lemonade. And that was a jolly good album. Um, if life gives you an Eric, make a podcast.
I don't think it necessarily goes, but anyway, we'll stick with it for now. Because I've been actually wondering for a while about how to sort of like, um, like make this thing public. I've let a, a load of people know already who are very close to me. So um, I was going to start this project. Might as well start with the big story, which is mainly about me. Next week, we can move on to other things. That sound good? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, by the way, if you ever find yourself in this situation where you find yourself with a, with a massive Eric, um, this is the kind of thing that will happen to you. Um, so after having the CT scan and having um, established that I was indeed carrying uh, a fake baby, um, um, I, I called it Eric and I immediately regretted my situ my decision to call it Eric because I, I found out about teratomas and there is a slight chance that, you know, this, this thing inside me will have hair or a tooth or an eye or some kind of nervous system growing like oddly in it. And I thought I should have called it Terry because one, that's that's more unisex. I don't know what sex this is um, and short for teratoma. But uh, it, it has become an Eric. This is, I don't mean to gross you out. Sorry, 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 sorry. Um, but no, it's, this is kind of essentially a cool thing to have because it is um, all contained uh, in the area which I'm now going to refer to as giblets. So being a woman, you have bits bits inside you that are all to do with reproduction. And Eric is situated somewhere either from the womb or, or the or the egg making bits. We don't know where because he's so big, he is obscuring everything on the MRI as well as the CT scan. You cannot see past him. He's too big. Uh, sometimes he sticks out as well. It's not really weird. It's like like a little, you know, when the babies stick out a little, a little, little foot when they're kicking you. Um, sometimes I have I have Eric sticking bits out of me as well, but I have a really squirmy story to tell you. Um, so, like before I, that, I had the results of my MRI. I went to go and see the gynecologist because you have to go see a gynecologist about these things. So yeah, I went in to see my gynecologist with my husband for moral support, and we get to the the day surgery. And we're sitting there waiting, and I happen to notice there's a copy of a magazine on the coffee table called uh, Nenquira, the Nenquira, um, which is um, a local magazine. And it had there was the one with Thomasina Myers on the front cover. So I happened to know that, that I was in that one, because there's a feature about me in it. And um, I pointed this out to my husband, and I said, I'm in that one. And he went, oh, are you? I, I said, yes. So he found me. I said, so you are. And he popped popped it back and then um, we, we just happened to be then called in very very quickly to go and see uh, my gynecologist uh, he was um, a very affable chap with uh, with with, uh, with glasses looked like a, a sort of sort of like young Louis Theroux type uh, you know seemed very very nice and he he brought in a student with him he said do you mind if I bring a student and she looked nervous as hell and I said of course not come in come in uh, I, I'm and I, I you know what we do I try and joke to put the student to ease terrified her absolutely terrified her and um, then he sort of like got out the um, the scanner and he was like pressing the, the 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 with ultrasound with the, with jelly on it all over my belly and he's like I can't see anything ah, is that was is that your womb is that your womb I don't know um he 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 gets the wand as well and can see nothing with the wand and he, he said I'm just going to call in my colleague because this is really weird and he calls in um his um senior consultant colleague um who I have to say at this point I don't know if you've ever seen horrible histories 
um, or ghosts. But there's a there's a, an actor in it called Simon Farnaby, and honestly, this this gynecologist, he looked just like Simon Farnaby, and he spoke like him as well. It was uncanny. So Simon Farnaby then comes up to me and says, "So you, I hear you've got a lump in your tummy." <laughs> <laughs> I thought, blooming heck, dumbing down for the masses or what? And I went, yes, I've got a lump in my dummy. And he went, so when did you notice this? And I started telling him about my whole Joe Wicks thing. And I said, yeah, so, but I basically blurted out too quickly and said, Joe Wicks, it's because of Joe Wicks. And he went, what is this Joe Wicks? And I said, oh, I was doing some high intensive interval training and, uh, I thought it was to do with the ab crunches I've been doing. And he went, Oh, that sounds that sounds awful. Do you do that at the do you do that at the gym? He asked his colleague. I don't know, no, I don't suppose you do. Um anyway, it sounds awful. Anyway, to put it delicately, he needed to go to investigate internally. Um so this is a bit awkward. I have my husband in, in the uh room with me. Um so there's this very crowded room now because there's lots of people in here and I've got my legs up and so thing is with Simon Farnaby he he maintained eye contact with me all the time very intensely and as he has his gloved hand inside me (laughs) I'm trying to catch my husband's eye he's looking at me and we both have this look that we give each other that says I wonder if this is, is this the done thing when you're there for moral support and you have, there is another man with his hand inside your, your, your vagina. Um, is it the done thing really to sort of like maintain eye contact with your husband at that point? Or is it more polite to look away? And we're both kind of like trying to figure this out at that point. <laughs> we still have not worked this out. <laughs> Um, so someone finally gazes me very intently and he's got his hand inside me and he says, and he leans right, right, right down to me and he says, um, you don't, you don't mind, can my colleague feel inside you? Because I would like him to feel what I'm feeling right now. And he's looking at me, you know, eyes, the eyes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Oh, and so then Simon Farnaby takes his gloved hand out of my bits, waves his glove at his colleague and said, could you, could you? And that is the signal for his colleague to try and take the glove off his co- off Simon Farnaby's hand. And then he starts flapping at it and going, no, both hands, both hands. As Louis Theroux is very awkwardly trying to take off my quite squelchy glove with with one hand um so yeah i learned a lot that day i I learned that i have a douglas pouch that sounds like a sort of gentleman call doesn't it i'd really like to meet sir mr douglas pouch he's a very fine purveyor of tobacco (laughs) um but apparently mine's a bit squelchy so uh tmi then when we walked out of the gynecologist's room my husband turned to um, the Louis Theroux gynaecologist and said, "Oh, look in, uh, at the magazine on your coffee table. She's in there." Um, and um, I said, "I think he's seen enough of me already today." 
So, that's a rather candid opening to this series of podcasts. They won't all be this um, detailed, I have to say. Um, so, what I'm aiming to do with, with this podcast is, like, I will, I will be bringing you stories of loveliness, gorgeousness, and hope every week. Yeah, so this week I've decided to kick off with my own story, um, which is that I'm growing an Eric and I have to have him uh, lopped out along with all the giblets. The the giblets is, is, is going to be the phrase that I refer to, to refer to all of my female reproductive system and uh, possibly my appendix and the fat pad and some lymph nodes therein. Um, so I've got quite a lot to be to removed. I'm going to be empty. I'm going to be like, I don't know if I'm going to be more like a Barbie doll or one of those life-size real porn dolls, you know, like in Lars and the Real Girl. Because they'll just have a bit sewn up at the top. But don't they come with clean-out pouches? I don't know. Um, oh, God. Um, right. Again, so I've been a little bit too candid for the first one. I, I'm going to be bringing you nicer stories than this, for sure, um, as we go, week by week. And, um, you know... I, when I actually um, have had the operation, which is going to be in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be sitting down a lot. So I'll, I'm definitely going to be needing some input from you guys because I won't be able to leave the house very much. Um, so I would like you, if you, I will be sort of like giving you some examples in the in the in the links below the podcast of the kind of things I'm looking for. I'll be reaching out to a few people, and then I'll be getting, gathering those stories, like some kind of honeybee stuffing them into my legs and weaving them into honey for you that's what bees do i'm sure does that sound even more gross than the gynecology story probably anyway sorry <laughs> i mean just uh, i have been doing other things in my week as well um um i've i've grown some beans some purple beans i've picked those they're lovely um <laughs> Dug up all my spuds now in the allotment. Done that. I mean, I'm not just just fake pregnancy lady who's had to cancel all her gigs. Yeah, I've had to cancel all my gigs basically because of this thing. Because um, I have to be have, having not having had the dates until last week. I have to make myself available for treatment um, until my breach date, which is 21st of August. So yeah, having not known my my dates until last week, I. I've had to basically not book any gigs and had to cancel all the gigs I had outstanding. I think I've got one gig left in my diary. I'm not booking any more gigs right now either until I've had my surgery and waited a couple of weeks because I need to wait two weeks for any further follow-up treatment just in case. But the big thing for me, is, of course, is that on the 17th of August in at Dublin Worldcon, that is where Newcom Press and Luna Press are having a joint launch together of lots and lots of titles, including my book, um, The Best of British Science Fiction 2018, which I've got all my copies of here already. It looks fantastic. Let's look down the, the cover at all the brilliant names we've got in Best of British Science Fiction 2018, edited by Donna Scott. There's Alistair Reynolds, Lavie Tidar, Colin Greenland, Dave Hutchinson, Aaliyah Whiteley, Matthew Diabetua, G.V. Anderson, Tim Major, Natalia Theodoridou, and more. So, yeah, some really good, good stories in there, guys. 
And that's launching in Dublin, but it's available to buy right now. Head over to newcompress.co.uk. Okay, um, so yeah, that's that's going to be it for my first podcast. Helpful contributions there from my husband in the background. <laughs> you know, uh, I am maintaining eye contact with him right now. I don't know if it's a done thing. <laughs> you don't want to know what he's doing now, but there should be a gynecologist involved. <laughs> anyway, um, I shall love you and leave you. Um, ta-da for now. Bye all.